It's the 49th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. It's such an amazing thing to see all these people just running down the street all at the same time. 60,000 runners. Running releases a lot of endorphins. It's euphoric. 3,500 volunteers. And it's just fun high-fiving all the people when they run by. 6.2 miles. I'm not too concerned about being the first in. I just don't want to be the last one. All on the 4th of July. I'm there every year. Let's get you ready. This is the Peachtree Podcast. The official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. We're helping you count down to Atlanta's July 4th tradition. Here again with Jay Holder this week. I'm Jennifer Perry. Thanks as always for joining us here for the Peachtree Podcast. It's getting even closer, Jay. <laughs> yeah, it is getting close. We're three and a half weeks away from the world's largest 10K. The AJC Peachtree Road Race is here, folks. We hope that you've been training. We hope that you're taking us along on your training runs. And we have a lot more inspiration for our listeners today here on the Peachtree Podcast. Jay, we're going to talk to a couple of elite runners, including last year's men's champion, right? Yeah, go back in time about a year, just about 49 weeks ago. And remember that final thousand meters of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Three guys gunning for the win. The guy that came out on top, we didn't know it was going to be him until couple meters before the finish line and he remembers that race very well in fact he told me it's the hardest race he's ever run in his life he told me that right after the race last year i asked him again recently if it still feels that way he said yeah without a doubt so we're going to talk to leonard career who's looking to come back and defend his title as the u.s 10 kilometer champion and the ajcp street road race champion what makes his story even more impressive jay and this is what i just found out this week is actually he's a service member so what a perfect date for him to uh, win the men's U.S. 10K championship last year. Wow. Yeah, Leonard Kerr is a specialist in the U.S. Army, runs for what's called the World Class Athlete Program. It's an Army program that they have for, for Olympic athletes. And Lenny's one of those athletes, so he's training every day, but he's also putting in his service hours. And yeah, so being able to drape that American flag over his shoulders on July 4th has extra meaning to it. And he has some bold predictions for this year's race. So we'll hear from him coming up. Also, you probably recognize this name. If you're familiar with running at all, it is Sarah Hall. She has a very famous husband too, right, Jay? <laughs> yeah, Sarah Hall used to be a really good runner who had a husband who ran the fastest ever marathon by an American man. Now Sarah Hall is a really, really, really good runner who's married to another really, really, really good runner. Her career over the last couple of years has really exploded. She just ran 226 for the marathon, one of the fastest marathons ever run by an American woman. She's just crushing it right now across all distances. Uh, 35 years old, she's the reigning U.S. marathon champion, and she's coming to Peachtree for the first time since 2014. And wait until you hear about her first Peachtree Road Race experience. It's, it's not what she expected, uh, and it's a pretty great story. Well, we're looking forward to that coming up on today's episode. But we want to start with someone today who has a real passion for running and has really made a difference through running in her own community. Allison Desir, founder of Harlem Run in New York City, but really a movement that's gone well beyond the borders of, of the five boroughs. And it's coming to Peachtree, Allison running her first AJC Peachtree Road Race and not coming down here alone. Allison, welcome to the Peachtree Podcast. Thank you so much. Very excited to be talking to you. So what led you to, to sign up for the lottery? I know I saw on Twitter the day the lottery acceptance came out that you got in. What led you to sign up? You know, I had been hearing about the race for the past several years. I know that it's the biggest 10K in the country, maybe the world. So I figured it was about time I get there. And of course, I never do anything by myself, right? <laughs> I always bring Harlem Run with me. So we're excited to have um, about 10 of us coming down this year. That is awesome. We're excited to have you. Tell people here in Atlanta 
are in the greater running community who might not know what Harlem Run is, exactly uh, what you guys got going up in New York City. Sure. So Harlem Run is a running movement that's really about empowering urban communities to get fit. So we run every Monday and Wednesday night. There are typically anywhere between 100 and 300 people who join us on a run. Um, we run in pace groups. So from a seven minute pace group all the way down to a run walk and a walking group, which allows us to have people of all ages, people of different abilities, all running side by side together. I know that it's not that old of a group. I joined you guys for a run back in 2015 and there were a ton yeah. of people here, but it's really grown very quickly. Talk about its beginnings and where it is today. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Sometimes I pinch myself because it's surreal. But I started Harlem Run in November of 2013 after I had discovered uh, long distance running. I was going through a period of depression and thankfully I saw a friend of mine was training for a marathon. And you know, so many things were going wrong that I decided why not take this risk, right? Like I had nothing to lose. Yeah. So through this marathon training program, I started feeling better about myself. As many people do, um, running is really a great coping mechanism for mental health. So after you know completing my first marathon and raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, I decided I would start my group. And um, nobody came for the first four months. I was just showing up every week all by myself. <laughs> but little by little, the word started getting out. People started showing up. And the inclusivity of it is what really, I think, um, brings people together because, you know, it's not about how fast or slow you are. And I think, Jay, when you were there, we were, we were already getting in the hundreds. And I mean, like I said, it amazes me. Every Monday I show up and I'm like, will I be here by myself? But uh, I never am. Because it's, <laughs> it's clearly more than about the run. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, I think my own struggle with depression and mental illness really created a space for people to be vulnerable. So, um, you know, there's so many people who have become friends. I found my fiance through Harlem Run. Oh, wow. um, people have taken on new goals and, and things that they never thought were possible. And I think that's really just the shared experience, why we all keep doing what we do, because running pushes you to be so much more than you thought. Allison, I mean, it's interesting. We talk about the 60,000 different stories that are going to be lining up for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Yours is one of them. But what are some of your favorite stories over the years since you started as that lone single runner, as your group has grown? <laughs> what are some of your favorite stories in terms of how you've seen running really change people's lives? I mean, I have to tell my story of how I met my fiance and then, yeah. then I'll, I'll share some others. But when I first started the group, my fiance was hosting a run from his church every fourth Sunday just 10 blocks away. Huh. And so I just so happened to be searching on Instagram for different hashtags and I found his run. Um, I met up with him and he ran with me and then you fast forward and, you know, we actually got engaged at a Harlem run event. Hmm. Um, but that, yeah, that's just one of the stories. Another really good friend of mine, um, he had uh, just gotten gastric bypass surgery and was uh, after struggling with, with his weight for a very long time. And he knew that he wanted to get moving. So he started running with us and he's lost over 70 pounds. But more than the weight, it's that he's gained his confidence and a new outlook on life. Um, and then we have amazing kids. We call them young legends who come who um, this one young girl in particular, she now comes whether her mother's with her or not. Uh, the mother and she, they both know that it's a space for her to be. And I think that that's really important to me because as we know, young girls, um, they tend to drop out of sports in, in middle school, high school, and, and sports can really be such a um, strong tool for 
for mental health, for, um, you know, finding the right job, for, for keeping your life in order. So from all ages, really, we've got some great stories. One thing that I think is great about the New York City running community, having been there for five years as a runner, now being in Atlanta, it's very similar, is that these are big cities and the running communities are are large. There, there are lots of people in the running communities, but it feels very familial. Mm. Do you feel that in New York? Absolutely. I think it's it's funny when I hear, I mean, I know New York is a big city, but it's like, I know where I can find my friends any day of the week. I know what run they're going to be at. I know what events are going on. There's always some place um, to be connected. And I think that's something that we really are privileged to have because in a city as big as New York, you can get lost. If I wanted to stay in my apartment every day, I mean, I'm lucky people would miss me, but you know, you could stay in your apartment and, and not interact and, and that be it. So the running community is like a thread that connects all of us. You recently embarked on quite a journey, 250 miles from New York to Washington. Talk a little bit about that project and what you were bringing awareness to. Sure. So that really came out of feeling like I wanted to do more after the election and thinking about ways that I could use my community, my running community as a vehicle for social change. So I organized a run in January of 2017 from Harlem to Washington, D.C. for the Women's March. And uh, we had set a goal of $44,000 for raising money for Planned Parenthood. The initiative quickly went viral And in the course of 22 days, we raised over $100,000 for Planned Parenthood. And we completed the journey in 60 hours, arriving the morning of the Women's March. I like to say that it's really the strength of the community that made that possible, because I certainly could not have done it alone. And it's really shown that, you know, there's power in an idea. And there's so much power when we come together with all of our energy to do something. Certainly impressive. And uh, Allison, I have to ask about your next goal, which is right here in Atlanta on July 4th. Running in New York all these years, are you ready for the hills of Atlanta? (laughs) You know, I don't know how ready I am, but I'm going to do my best. It's it's also, it's the hills and then it's the heat, right? I think July 4th every year is being one of the hottest days of the summer. Um, but it's going to be so exciting. I'm, I'm glad that I'm going to have my, you know, my Harlem run people with me and I'm excited about all the people that I'm going to meet and reconnect with. I always tell people down here and, and people don't believe me that cause I moved here to Atlanta from Harlem and people don't believe me when I say New York has humidity and it's no joke. Oh, it's, I mean, there's <laughs> nothing like having to get on the subway and then realizing that there's no air conditioning and feeling like you're just going to like faint. <laughs> it's terrible. At least here you can get in your car and crank right. up the AC. Yeah, New York gets stuffy. So, I mean, I might be used to it by that time, but I'm really excited. It's something new and I, I haven't really done a new race in a long time. So I'm excited for it. Well, the great thing about the Peachtree, too, Allison, is that truly you have such a wide group of runners. It is one of those races that truly brings everyone together. It's such a community event. Have you read up much on the history of the event, though? So I don't know too much about the history, but I was listening to previous episodes of your podcast, and I didn't realize that the race has been going on for 40 plus years. Um, So I feel like that history is going to be present. I can't wait to hear more about it. Yeah, this is the 49th. Next year is the 50th. So we're coming up on a big one. What are your plans for Atlanta? Are you going to come down early? I know you imagine you've been to Atlanta before, but check out the city. And what are you looking forward to besides the race part? 
I'm actually just going to be there for just a short time. I'll fly in the day before and fly in the day after. But I have visited Atlanta before and made friends with so many different running groups. I mean, your group, of course, and a good friend of mine just actually started working there. She was previously at New York Roadrunners, so I hope to catch up. Winnie. Winnie. Shout out to Winnie. Yes. (laughs) Excited to see Winnie. Excited to catch up with movers and pacers. Black Men Run. A friend of mine is, has invited us to an event that happens the night before. I feel like even though I'll be there for 36 hours, I'm going to be just like ripping and running, hanging out, you know, connecting. And of course, the race will be the centerpiece of a few days. What's your goal for the peach tree? You know, I'm not going to put a time goal out there because I don't think I'm ready to say that. <laughs> but my goal is truly to enjoy it and to just soak up being in a new space and being able to see Atlanta on the run. I I actually, even though I visited several times, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. So no time goal, but maybe I'll have a PR in how much fun I have on a race course. (laughs) I like that attitude. Atlanta is best seen on foot. I I definitely believe that is the case. Well, if anyone wants to find out more about your organization, Allison, where can we find you online? Uh, You can find so much information about me online. Um, HarlemRun.com, Harlem Run on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And Run for All Women is the initiative that I talked about using running as a vehicle for social change. That's runforallwomen.com and Run for All Women on Twitter and Instagram as well. And finally, I'm Allison M. Desir on all social and allisonmdesir.com. Allison Desir is founder of the Harlem Run, a runner and an activist. And you'll see her at the 49th AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks for joining us, Allison. Thank you both so much. Cliff Bar is one of our great sponsors here on the Peachtree Podcast. As an athlete, you need nutrition for sustained energy. Cliff Bar can help. Cliff Bars taste great and are made with a nutritious blend of organic rolled oats and wholesome ingredients to keep you feeling and performing your best. Whether an hour at the gym or all day on course, Cliff Bar helps you feed your adventure. Stop by the Cliff Bar booth at the expo and try the new sweet and salty. Next up today here on the Peachtree Podcast, we want to talk to another defending champion. We had Alephine on the podcast a few episodes ago. If you missed that, go back to episode one. You don't want to miss that interview. But we also have the men's defending champion with us today, Jay. Why don't you introduce us to him? Yeah, you know, there have been so many great finishes, memorable finishes at the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Sprints to the finish last year certainly ranks up there amongst those great, great closing meters a thousand meters the runners turn on to 10th street and you've got three runners side by side with a thousand meters to go anybody's race we didn't know who was going to win until literally steps before the finish line when Leonard career broke the tape and then just collapsed to the ground it was amazing to see it was one of the best finishes i've seen in a road race and one i won't forget for a long time you were actually re-watching the video of this finish today right Yeah, I've watched it a bunch of times since last year. It's just one of those things that that gets me pumped up for the race. But I was watching it today as we prepare to interview Leonard Career, the 2017 AJC Peachtree Road Race champion. And uh, and it's just as exciting as it was on July 4th of last year. Leonard Career joining us now from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Leonard, I I can't imagine you've forgotten those last thousand meters and, and how much that hurt and how hard you had to work for it. Yeah, yeah, I still remember well. It was a tough race that day because uh, some of the guys took it so hard in the beginning of the race, and I was not expecting to win that race. So I was just trying so hard. My teammate Shadrach was strong, but I was telling myself, don't give up, keep pushing. 
But I, I realized I was more strong and I was happy to win that race. I'll set the stage for anybody who might have missed it. You've got Leonard Career and Shadrach Kipchirchir, two Olympians at 10,000 meters, and Sam Shalenga coming down the stretch. Lenny, it looked like you didn't know you had won till about maybe five feet before the finish line. You put your arms up. Were you really wondering if you were going to win till that last second? No, you know what? I'm going to fight until the end. I knew Shadrach was in good shape. He has been so strong in training, he ran so quick in walkouts, but I was telling myself, no, what this is a race. Uh, in a race and training, it's not the same. But I'm a good in road races. I have to win. After you crossed the finish line, you collapsed on the ground for what seemed like a, a couple of minutes, so you really put it all on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I gave like 105%. I went over the cash limit of my body, so... When I finished the cross line, I was like, wow, did I win? I didn't believe at first. But after realizing that I was the champion, I was so happy. So, so it was a good race. You won a U.S. championship just about a year after becoming a U.S. citizen. Talk a little bit about that feeling and how it felt to be, as a new U.S. citizen, be crowned a U.S. champion. Yeah, it feels so good. Like... Uh, to win uh, like that title, and so I was excited representing the U.S. and being in good shape, being able to win. So it was something which was so nice and exciting, um, and uh, I was happy to win, get the title, and I was happy again to represent the U.S. in World Championship in London. And to add to that, it's July 4th, you're a new U.S. citizen, fairly new, just over a year, you're also a member of the Army. There, there's so many reasons that you winning on the 4th of July is, is so symbolic. What have you done with that flag that we draped around your shoulders after the race? Yeah, it means a lot. Like, you know, when you are carrying that U.S. flag and uh, representing Team USA, representing the Army in Fort Carson, means a lot for us. Every time I go to the race, being able to win and carrying that flag means a lot. So... Makes me so excited and motivated and want to go run more races and be able to win. So something very special. Your winning time last year was 28.16. The American record on the course is 28.03. If you just sprint maybe 1,600 meters instead of 1,000 meters, <laughs> that might be your – is that something that, that you think about setting records or is it all about the win? Last year was about the win, but this year it's because I know the course very well. I know what to expect. I know the challenges. I might want to try to push and make sure that maybe I do something special this year. Maybe go for the course record. So I think I will be looking for it because it is possible. It's not too far. It will be a personal best for me and a course record. I'm looking forward to it. Where are you with your fitness right now? It's coming along. I, I had a little bit of a setback, some injuries at the end of March. But I've been feeling good right now. I've been trying to build up my training. But I think by July I will be 100%. So I think I'll be very fine and fit to run very well and compete. That's definitely good news. Uh, last year after you won, you got to go to the Braves game and, and start the chop. Tell me a little bit about that experience going to the Atlanta Braves play. Yeah, exciting. When I was in the field, the crowd, that was my first time doing it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. 
and uh, it's something which is motivating. I'm looking forward. Maybe I can go again this year. So it's something, something very special. I want to go back a little bit and talk just a, a little bit about your running journey. You came here to run for Iona from Kenya. Tell me a little bit about your transition into the United States and your years of, of developing into this world-class runner. What's your running journey? For me, yeah, when I arrived in the U.S., it was tough for me. I didn't run well. I remember my first cross-country in 2009. I just arrived to the U.S. I didn't run well. In fact, I didn't make nationals in cross-country. It was so challenging. I, I was not used to the system. I didn't know I was going to be a professional runner, but I kept training, training. The following year, I was able to finish second in cross-country. Then my last year, I was able to finish also second. But exciting. I was able to win two titles in the track for 10K and 5K. And after that, I realized that I might be a good professional runner. That's where my journey started. So it's exciting. Yeah, it's inspiring for, I think, a lot of people to hear someone say they went from not even qualifying to be being an NCAA champion. After college, you went into the military. Tell me a little bit about your role in the military and then running for the WCAP program. So when I finished my college training, I realized that uh, I'm not going to be running forever. So I, I was like, hey, you know what, I want to do something different. I was like, what will I have to do in the U.S.? I realized that you can join the military, the U.S. military. I was like, I want to join the military so that I can challenge myself. Before you join the military, you were scared a little bit. But I was like, I want to challenge myself. I want to get new skills so that even in the future when I cannot run anymore, when I retire, I have something. But when I joined the military, it gave me a lot of opportunities, chances, and I'm so grateful and I'm so happy for the decision because we have a lot of support with the military with the WCAP. So it's something which is so nice. I know the military is really supportive of elite runners and athletes beyond running. What is your role in the military and what's that time commitment look like outside of running? It's exciting to to be in the military because, you know, when you are just running and just staying is boring. So what we get here with the military and training is something special. So you get to wake up early in the morning, go for your run, and then after running, you, you can go to the military and do some work. Maybe do some online classes, maybe teaching other soldiers how to run so that they can pass their PT. So it's something which is so nice to be in the military and running professionally, something nice. It's like you are coaching other people, motivating other people to run too. Leonard Career, thanks so much for joining us on the Peace Tree Podcast. All right, thank you, thank you. Very interesting story there, Jay. And as with all of our service members, we appreciate Leonard's service. I mean, he has a fascinating story, but it's not uncommon as I'm running the peach tree every year. I think every year over the last 10 years, I've been passed by those service members in full military gear. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm sweating, but uh, they're passing me. And, and we appreciate the service of all of our veterans. I think July 4th reminds us of the sacrifice that so many people have made for us to go out there and enjoy that run. Absolutely. This race doesn't happen without the support of our military. And we want to make sure that on 
on July 4th here at Atlanta Trap Club. We're making sure we recognize those servicemen and women. So this year, you're going to be able to recognize them. You're going to be able to thank them yourself out on the course. We've designed a special bib. Uh, it's a patriotic race number to be worn by service members and veterans. Uh, we've got about 4,000 people wearing them on the course this year. So you'll see them out there. You can't miss it. It's red, white, and blue. So if you see somebody wearing one of those special bibs, just say thank you, give them a nod, shake their hand. I'm sure they'd be glad to hear from you on July 4th. I love that. That would be a great gesture. And of course, we're looking forward to having the best of the best with us on July 4th this year. And if there's such a thing as the first family of running, Jay, our next guest today is at the center of that family. And our listeners will probably recognize her name here. I think she has maybe more than 200,000 followers on Twitter, a popular running blog. She's really doing it all. Yeah, no doubt. Sarah Hall has been a great runner since the second she put on a pair of running shoes. I'm convinced of it because I've been following her career as a high schooler all the way up to a 35-year-old marathoner who just had a PR by one minute just a couple of weeks ago at the Ottawa Marathon. Sarah joins us here on the Peachtree Podcast from her new home base in Flagstaff, Arizona. Right, Sarah? Yeah, we just got here um, less than a week ago, so... It's been a pretty good month for you, 226.20 at the Ottawa Marathon, the ninth fastest American of all time. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, I recovered well from it. It's it's a flatter course, so that helped. And I didn't have that much running going into it because of my injury. So I actually kept training after a short break because there are a couple more races I wanted to do. So so yeah, I'm thankful I recovered well. Yeah, you know, you're the second pro athlete we've talked about on the podcast this season who has had a marathon breakthrough after an injury forced them to take a lot of time off from running. And it's probably not what you expected when you got injured, but it's really worked out to be great for you. I'm not sure if it was because of the injury or I was having a really good buildup before the injury happened. So I think, I don't think it hurt me too much, but it definitely, I was a little worried about the pounding of the marathon just because that's just as much a part of the game as as the fitness and, you know, not being weight bearing for four weeks isn't really ideal because you're trying in that training to get as much pounding as you can in your legs. So I really tried to like up it once I was back and safe. And yeah, I'm really thankful I was able to PR. Your range is impressive. You're coming off a marathon now and it looks like you're hitting the road racing circuit. I know one of the races you're training for is the AJC Peachtree Road Race, which is a 10K, a lot different than a marathon. Can you talk a little bit about the transition from marathon training to 10K training? Well, it's something we hit on all throughout the marathon training. Obviously, you're not feeling as poppy and sharp as if you were just training for a 10K. But now that the marathon, I've turned the corner on that, I'm actually getting in more of like half marathon 10K training is more my focus, which is something that I think Ryan really regrets in his career is is just not keeping those fitness Uh, systems not staying close to that so I think that's something he's tried to be really intentional about with me is still getting in shorter races which is great for me because I like to race a lot and you can't run a lot of marathons so it's nice to be able to to still do those and kind of the speed stuff comes a little more naturally to me so we're doing shorter tempos shorter long runs but not a ton more of like really intense speed because we don't really have that long and I kind of wanted to recover well off the marathon. You mentioned Ryan, and for those listeners who don't know that, Sarah's husband, Ryan Hall, who is the fastest American marathoner of all time. So between the two of you guys, both on your own respective top 10 lists now, that's that's a pretty fast household you've got there. <laughs> Thanks. I owe a lot to him for sure. 
and he's coaching you now, right? And he's been coaching you for a couple of years, and that seems to be really working out well for you. You've had PR after PR in, in the marathon. Is the marathon where you're going to end up settling, or do you plan to stay with the other distances? I enjoy my career the most I ever have right now, so that gives me the feeling I should just stick with this stuff, at least for now. I've, I've gone to try all kinds of events, even as a professional, down to the mile and the steeplechase, but definitely having a lot of fun, just seeing a lot of improvement in the half and full marathon, and feel like I have more room for improvement there. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case as much on the track. So I think I'll definitely be focused there. You've added another challenge to the whole thing, a challenge and a blessing. And four more people who can make your household speed average go down a little more. Four daughters uh, since 2015, age range is seven to 17. Talk a little bit about how that impacts training, how it helps, how it makes it a little tougher. I'm not sure it really helps at all in any way. I mean, my life is really, it's more complexly beautiful for sure, but I don't think it's a performance-enhancing decision to have four kids by any means. <laughs> Just yesterday, I was working on my my daughter's taking a summer geometry class, and because she's kind of catching up, she's the oldest, and they didn't start school at all till they got here. So we were working on that for like three hours, which was brutal. And you know, it's just it's kind of just nonstop. Like there's always they're all in their activities, and they're all kind of trying to catch up academically after starting school so late. So it's been challenging. Like it hasn't gotten necessarily easier. It's just the challenges have changed, I would say. But I think that's parenting in general. I think probably most people would say that even um, not having kind of the unique situation we have with our kids. But it's definitely been really fun, like just getting to see them grow and change so much. They've adjusted so much better than I could have imagined. And just, I talked to a lot of families that adopted older kids, not as old as ours, and they had had really difficult situations, like really hard adjustments. And so I kind of went into it bracing myself for that. But the kids have just adjusted beautifully. And even now moving to Flagstaff, another adjustment, you know, they just take everything in stride and they really inspire me. So I think we're finding our groove as a family. It definitely helps having Ryan to share the load and he's not like working a eight to seven job. That would make it a lot harder. <laughs> It's been fun to follow your blog updates, Sarah, and this journey with you. You kind of feel like you're part of the the family there, but a lot of families go through similar things. Maybe it's not adding to the family as greatly as you did at one time, but we're all trying to find that balance between time and also taking care of ourselves physically. Do you have any tips for those of us average runners who are trying to find that right balance? It's a hard thing because it is finding a balance, but like I naturally like don't really like the word balance because... I want to be like all in and everything I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. I want to be like, you know, a world-class runner and like the best mom I can be. And you don't want to be mediocre at everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what I've learned so far is just like trying to be really present with what I'm doing in the moment. When I'm with my kids, I want to be really present with them. I don't, I want to try to do as much of the training I can while they're asleep or they're at school or whatever it is so that I can focus on like quality, not quantity necessarily with them. Cause I think you have to accept too, like you can't be at everything. Like even if I didn't have a job, it's impossible to be at everything because there's four of them and there's two of us. (laughs) So we're outnumbered. And so I think it's just realizing like whatever I'm going to be at, I'm going to be like fully there. And then realizing there's seasons too. Like it's okay to have a season where I'm like a little more focused, like as a marathon gets closer, like I've even done some training stints away from the family, like not very long, but that's something I would have never pictured myself doing before, but Uh my kids are fine with it. And then when the marathon passes, all right, now it's like 
all about the family and training kind of takes a back seat. So I think finding different seasons where there's a different emphasis to. I want to go back to Peachtree. This isn't your first Peachtree, but I want to talk about your, your first Peachtree because that was supposed to be a training run and it turned into something a lot better. I have to credit Peachtree with kind of my love of the longer road races because I was definitely fully a track runner. I think I had run a couple. I'd done the Fifth Avenue Mile and US 5K Champs the summer before, but I had never really run much on the roads. And I came just to watch Ryan. And then we were both headed over to Europe where I was going to race on the track. We were there and I was like, I'm just going to hop in it. Like I have to do a workout anyways. And I have these heavy flats and just lined up. And then I just started picking people off as the race went on and started getting more and more into it. And yeah, ended up fourth and second American when it was international field. And I had so much fun and I felt like there was a lot more there. So I think that kind of planted the seed a little bit that maybe moving up into longer road races, I'd enjoy that. What was it about the race that was so much fun? Was it the atmosphere? Was it the course? What do you remember fondly about the race? The crowd was definitely really good. And something about the course I just love. It undulates and typically I run terrible in heat and humidity. So it's kind of funny to me because it's kind of like the one place that is hot and humid typically, but I still tend to run well just because I like how it flows and there's something about it. And the crowd is so great that for some reason, every time I go there, I kind of exceed my expectations. Now, will this year's race be a, be a family trip with the girls line up? We thought about it. We looked into it for sure. But um, at the end of the day, Ryan and I were like, well, you know, this might be a good break because summer is full on there. We're with them 24-7 every day. So we were like, this might be fun, just the two of us together. And then we'll head back to celebrate the 4th of July with his family who will be watching them. And I know they're running track the night before your, your marathon. Your 17-year-old daughter had a track meet, right? Yeah. How did that go? It went well. So she ran in the California State Track Championship. This is this last Friday. And she ran a 10-54 two-mile. So that was awesome to duck under 11 minutes for the first time. California is just so crazy competitive. They run all the divisions together in one race. So there are a couple of girls down at 10-10. But, you know, she's still just two years into running. So she's so hungry to keep improving. And she has a good head on her shoulder. She always competes really well. And that's the kind of stuff you can't really teach. So it's really fun just getting to connect with her on that level. I even went um, have been bringing her to high school practices and stuff now. And just getting to share that has been a really fun way for us to connect. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of elite runners there, you know, some of them are, are good in high school, good in college, and they blossom later or are great in high school and then kind of fall off. You've been at the top of your game from high school to college to the professional career. So you can really relate to being an elite high school athlete. I look back on my high school career a lot now with her because you know, we're figuring out what she should be doing in training or how often should she be racing. And I think I was just so like blissfully ignorant in high school. I just, it was like all passion. Like I, I ran a crazy amount of mileage and did crazy stuff that I don't necessarily recommend for her now, but it was just fun. Like it was all coming from me. And so that's kind of what I try to like walk that line with her where like, I want to be passing on my knowledge. And obviously we know well how she should train and stuff, but I kind of want it to come from her too, like like her to initiate and to kind of have some control over what she does where she can just be moved by passion too. Well, talk about your passion for the sport after all these years, Sarah. I mean, you continue setting personal records for yourself. How do you find that drive to keep going and to keep challenging yourself? Yeah, it really is that. Like, I think a love for challenging myself, which I haven't always had. 
you know, I had pretty immediate success in the sport, like in high school and kind of set the bar high for myself for when I did start experiencing failure, like in college at times or as a professional early on, like that was really hard for me where I started to really fear failure. And because I had made a lot of my identity around being successful and, and it was fun, you know, to be successful. And so midway through my professional career, like I had to really get rooted my identity and like who I am apart from my running and my running success, which I see a lot through my relationship with God, him telling me like who he's created me to be. And it's not just about the running. And once I got more rooted in that, like I started to take risks again and not really fear failure. And now it's just like more and more like each year, like I feel more and more free to like go after stuff because I don't feel that fear anymore. And whether it's like trying new events, racing to back-to-back marathons in five weeks or different things, like I just am not afraid to go for it and try it. And and then you can love that challenge because there's nothing on the line necessarily, like there's nothing to lose. Yeah, that's a message that will resonate with so many people amongst the 60,000 who run Peachtree who are, who are running their first 10K. And we talk to people every day who say, I can't even complete a mile, let alone 10K. Then they end up on the starting line and, and they fall in love with the sport. And, and I think just that passion, that ease and that ability to run whenever you want, wherever you want is a thing that the elites share along with, with the masses in the race. For sure. Yeah. It's been really fun to see um, my mom enter the sport in her mid fifties and kind of her perspective of someone that never really ran, just falling in love with the sport. It's all about getting over the hump with running. Like so many people give up because it's so hard at first, but it just gets easier and easier and more and more enjoyable. And you start to embrace those challenges. You start not to get as nervous and feeling like you need to go out and run the whole race course before you you can know you can actually do it before race day or things like that. Well, clearly you have a love of this sport, Sarah. And I like to ask all of our elite runners here on the Peachtree podcast, most of us will be running on July 4th for the t-shirt. So do you ever keep some of the race memorabilia for yourself? (laughs) I do. Yeah. But you know, it's been so many years in this sport. I've kind of acquired so much that (laughs) I do like to get, if I can, a size of my kids or my parents or something to share with them. Now, your husband's been retired from the professional side for a couple of years now. You're, you're not showing any signs of that in the near future. But Ryan has stayed really involved with the sport and, and really given back to the sport in so many ways. I see you both as being always involved. Is that, is that your plan post-competitive career? We would love to, of course. This sport's given us so much. And we just believe so much in the transformation, personally, that running can bring to anyone, you know, and that's why we love when our our kids get involved with it, just because it's been the greatest life teacher in our lives. We've seen even, you know, through our foundation, like supporting groups doing back on my feet that are uh, taking homeless people and leading them through a program of training for a race and how that empowers them and transforms their lives too. And so, yeah, we, we definitely want to stay involved. I'm not sure like what that will look like. We have lots of ideas and We want to spend more time in Ethiopia, too, and with our foundation. So there's all kinds of ways we want to give back. But, yeah, it's been fun to see Ryan evolve and and definitely really embrace the coaching aspect. He he really, I think, after experimenting a lot with his own career, has a lot he can share with others from his experience. Your success is obviously proof of that. And I, I want to talk about the closer future. So you're the defending U.S. marathon champion. Olympic trials are going to be here in 2020. Is that on your radar at all? Do you allow yourself to think that far down the road? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm pretty sure most of us are. And no, especially that you're like more than halfway towards it than closer to the last one. I think it more and more, you're kind of counting back and you're planning 
what your races are going to be and what's going to best prepare you. And so, you know, obviously there's always curveballs like my injury this March. And, but yeah, it's something I'm really excited. That was one of the reasons I wanted to come back to Peachtree is just to continue to build good memories in that city. And that really helps a lot. Like when you have success somewhere a lot and you really enjoy coming back, coming back for the trials, that'll be that much more powerful. We look forward to seeing you here on July 4th. And uh, based on your first success here at Peachtree, any change in your strategy this time around, Sarah? (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely won't be going in as relaxed as a workout as before, but I'm really looking forward to a really good competition. I know it'll always bring a great field and I love doing the U.S. Champs races whenever I can. So looking forward to it. Well, we're really excited to have you and uh, wish you the best of luck in your next couple of weeks of training. And uh, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to seeing you. The Know the PNC Bank supports you before and after the finish line with PNC Virtual Wallet. Get all the details at pnc.com slash virtual wallet. PNC Bank, proud sponsor of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. The Peachtree Podcast brought to you by Delta. With Delta, fly towards something better with the help of 80,000 employees who do everything they can to help you explore what's possible. Your next opportunity is a flight away with service to the most destinations nonstop from Atlanta. Delta is the official airline of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Delta, keep climbing. All right, Jay, I don't know how we're going to top Sarah and Lenny and Allison for next week's episode, but I'm sure we have more great guests lined up, right? (laughs) We're working around the clock to make sure we get everybody represented. We get every great story that we can fit into these six episodes. We do have some great interviews lined up for next week. We're going to talk to the chiropractor for USA Track and Field about how he works on elite athletes to get them ready for the race, but then taking those tips, taking those steps that he takes to get the best of the best ready and applying them to all of us who are going to be out there running on July 4th. You'll want to know how to limber up good before uh, running 10K, so we'll talk to Dr. Josh Glass about that. And we're also going to talk to someone who's really journaling very publicly her own journey for the AJC Peachtree Road Race, right? As we talked to Sarah Hall today, who was a great high school runner, a great collegiate runner, this this young woman, also a great high school runner, then a great collegiate runner at the University of Oregon. She's just graduated. She's moved out here, and she's chronicling her training on a very popular video YouTube blog series. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see how an elite track and field athlete is transitioning to this road racing game. It makes her seem a little more human, a little bit like uh, the rest of us who are out there training for this race. We'll check in with her next week. And of course, good luck to all of you still training for your own AJC Peachtree Road Race. Looking forward to seeing you on July 4th. And of course, we'll be back here next week right here on the Peachtree Podcast. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.